What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the Two Man Power Trip. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> ECW World Heavyweight Champion. The ECW. When you want to load down the professional wrestling, come right here to the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You'll get all the load down. <laughs> Well, guys, it's great to be on the, on the show again. I appreciate you asking me back. It just You said you were going to pinch yourself. I didn't know it was that kind of show now. I mean, if you guys are in the privacy of your own home, if you want to do these things. but Chad and John, the two-man power trip. That's, uh, that's an awesome uh, name for yourselves. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, John. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Scotty Riggs, and you're listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Hey, man. What's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie. Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you. Thank you. Hear me. Fear me. What's going on, guys? This is the seven foot, three hundred and thirty pound DNA of TNA. That's right, my DNA is outer space, and you're listening to the two man power trip of professional wrestling. You know, I, I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. of wrestling brought to you today empowered by our good friends over at the potomac nationals tonight friday august 19th wwe hall of famer and today's guest the one and only rikishi will be signing autographs and meeting fans live at the fitzner stadium in woodbridge virginia please visit potomacnationals.com for more information, or if you're in the D.C. Metro listening audience, get on down to Prince William County, Virginia, and experience one hell of a night as the Potomac Nationals put on an absolutely fantastic in-game show. And, of course, WWE Hall of Famer Rikishi will be throwing out the first pitch as well as signing autographs, meeting fans, taking pictures, and having, most importantly, a whole lot of fun. And if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, Primetime John Paz. And John mentioned his name already. We're joined by the one and only Rikishi, obviously a guy synonymous with the Attitude Era, somebody who's been obviously as well in professional wrestling for a very, very long time. But his role as Rikishi, the time in the Attitude Era, is what has propelled him to becoming a no doubt First ballot, even though it took a couple of years, WWE Hall of Famer without a shadow of a doubt. And John, we think of some of the things that come to mind when we think about Rikishi's great career. But why don't you tell us a couple of things that really stand out to you and talk about what it is that's so special to both Rikishi and also his family's lineage in professional wrestling. Yes, Chad, back here again at the two-man power trip of a wrestling, and this is a Hall of Fame edition 
of the show. And of course, it is a Hall of Fame edition because we have a WWE Hall of Famer, Rikishi, in the house. Now, Rikishi, what a career he had going back all the way to the mid-80s, all the way to his last stop in the WWE, basically his full-time role in about 2004-2005 era. But quite an amazing career he had. And when you think about him and you think about his career, you can't help but think about the Samoan dynasty and all the legendary Samoan wrestlers throughout the years. Obviously, it starts with the high chief, the great Peter Maivia. And then you just think all the way through to his grandson, The Rock, who's Rikishi's cousin. And all the awesome guys in between. Obviously, we do talk a lot about the head shrinkers. So we talk about Samu. We talk about Sione, a.k.a. the Barbarian. And then further than that, we talk a little bit about Haku. Obviously, we talk about his twin sons, the Usos. We talk about the Tonga Kid. And we have a little bit of interesting story there. Because if you read online, you read what a lot of people said. It says that Rikishi is actually the twin brother of the Tonga Kid. I had to ask the question. I had to get it out of the way. He is not. He is the older brother of the Tonga Kid. So... Just a little interesting little tidbit to throw in there as well. And you think about all the awesome Samoans. It feels like any time that you see a Samoan wrestler, they're automatically good. And it's just weird. It's just like the way they were trained, the way they were taught. Obviously, Afa and Sika play a major role in that, being the original wild Samoans, kind of really getting the ball rolling after the great high chief and kind of just set them off into another stratosphere. Because you think about Rikishi and how awesome he is. And then you throw in the high-flying that is kind of unexpected and it's just great and the Usos obviously bring a lot of that to the table as well but then you throw out another Samoan guy and of course we had to get Rikishi's opinion and that is Roman Reigns yes very very interesting comments about Roman Reigns I was almost a little surprised to hear what he had to say about Big Roman obviously he got the look got the athleticism he's a decent worker he's got all that but I was surprised to see that Big Quiche said that Reigns should be a heel. I thought he might say he should be a face, keep going, but no. He's saying he should earn the respect of, of the fans and then be able to turn face off of a big heel run. So stay tuned for those great comments. Very, very interesting stuff from Big Quiche. You know, you think about that raw athletic ability of a lot of the Samoan heritage wrestlers you think about how the usos just go flying left and right over the rope in the ring the splash off the top i mean it's so impressive the agility of some of these guys and just the absolute uh, unparalleled athleticism and then you think about rikishi you think about his days as fatu i mean he would come off the top rope like it was nothing and he had this spring to his splash that when he hit the mat he bounced right back up and you were like my god the guy underneath him is dead because this man just came plunging down from the sky and just absolutely would obliterate the opponent, whoever was underneath it. Usually you'd like to see one of those ham and eggers getting squashed by the head shrinkers. And Fatu as well as Samu, they just, like I said, very athletic and a team that, you know, when you think of the head shrinkers or the Samoan SWAT team or Samoan savages or whatever they were at that point, you think about where they were ranked in terms of tag teams of the day. And John, and I think of tag teams from that era, and I think of some of our uh, favorite ones, some of our least favorite teams. The underrated versus overrated argument. I think uh, Rikishi's got one of the most unique takes on that said argument. And I know, John, with you, you love to dig into who's underrated and who's overrated. You're such a uh, technician in your own right with breaking down matches and watching these old tapes and seeing how guys work. But I think it was Rikishi that really did shed a little light on the underrated versus overrated argument. You know, that's always something I love to bring up on the show and sometimes to the guests and sometimes to you, Chad. But the underrated argument, is the guy underrated? Is the guy overrated? Who's you know who's to say this? Who's to say that? And there's a great line from Rikichi during the interview, and I know I I kind of chuckled to to Chad during the interview about it as well. And he says, you know, underrated um, him and Samu as small and SWAT team and the head shrinkers are just an underrated awesome tag team. But who rates them? Who rates this stuff? And it's just a great great line. I couldn't stop laughing myself thinking like. That's so true. Who's to say this guy's underrated, overrated? But it's very subjective, the wrestling business. In my opinion, obviously, in Chad's opinion, that 
Rikishi was one of the most underrated guys just because you didn't really expect him to be that good and he was just so good and so on point and we talk about the baby face playing Rikishi or being the heel and what he likes better and I really like when the head shrinkers him and Samu even the Smontois team played that heel role as kind of like the the savages but they were like the savages that really you know kind of spoke English if you will or you know that kind of like that savages with supreme athleticism and just superiority factor going on so it was awesome to get his take on what he thought about playing that savage role because he kind of liked it but kind of didn't like it he wanted to be different than Afonseca but you'll hear his comments there some great stuff head shrinkers extremely underrated I love the Wrestlemania match against the Steiner Brothers Wrestlemania 9 we talk about that in the interview we talk about a lot of other things Samoan and SWAT team we get into a little bit talk a little bit about WCW but not too much he said he was a little bit foggy doesn't remember too much about those days but you know he just knows that him and Samu had quite a run and quite a career so if you think about him as a tag team champion obviously he was a tag team champion with Scotty Tuhati he was a tag team champion with Rico but that tag team title run albeit a short one with Samu was long overdue and it was very very well deserved Without a doubt, and you think about the head shrinkers, and you think about that chemistry that they had, and we've already mentioned the Samoan dynasty, and all the great names that have come from the Samoan lineage and from the family tree of the Anawai family, and obviously Rikishi being a Hall of Famer, he joins so many of his family members inside the WWE Hall of Fame, obviously the Wild Samoans, as well as Yokozuna, who is a guy that I feel like doesn't get... His just due in the history books, and it's a shame because he's a multiple-time world champion and obviously synonymous with that post-Hulkamania run of the WWE, which you know some might consider to be a down era, but hey, it was a new generation, and it was moving forward to what became of the Attitude Era, and I think that is where we really uh, kind of put the cap on this part of the show and talk about the Attitude Era, talk about the transformation into Rikishi, who became one of the most lovable characters, who became one of the absolute most uh, identifiable characters with that Attitude Era. And I think one of the coolest things about that return for Rikishi at that point in 1999 that he came back with the new persona was that it was completely different. It was a departure from just being, you know, the Samoan savage, as we've called it uh, throughout the interview, or even when he was doing his Making a Difference Fatu character. And if you recall, in Memphis, uh, right before he came back and did the Sultan persona, he was J.R. Smooth. We do touch on J.R. Smooth, which... I know John was uh, was pretty impressed that I could get a couple J.R. Smooth references into this show, but it was his return in 99 as Rikishi that really set the table for what became of the rest of his career and how when he first came back, I think the average fan was thinking, oh, you know, he's not really going to do much of this. We all know Fatu, you know, he was still recognizable, just a little bit bigger, but that run ended up propelling him into the heights of what he became, and that is a no-doubt WWE Hall of Famer. There's no doubt about it. Rikishi wasn't expected to be as over as he was. You know, you got the blonde hair, you got the thong, you got the sunglasses, you got the song, you got the gimmick, you got the awesome dance moves. You just didn't expect it, and all of a sudden, we have an awesome, amazing story about where the stink face came from, why he used the stink face, and what some old woman has to do with it. So it's very, very, very funny stuff, very good story. And it's amazing to think that that stink face would be one of the most remembered things of the Attitude Era, and it's one of the most remembered things about his career, and it's, it actually helped get him so over. It was just amazing, because you think about when he was shooting with a guy like Triple H, or, you know, he's just wrestling any of the main, like, he had a little few of Viscera, he was super over, just going through all, all the great uh, match with Val Venus, where he jumps off the cage, and, and just crazy to think of, like, oh, we're just going to throw him out there, he's going to be a mid-carder, and then, oh my god, the dancing, the too cool, the song, everything just meshed together so well, and one of the most over guys in the roster. Arguably the most over guy. Obviously, you got Austin and The Rock to contend with there, so it's hard to say the most over, but arguably he's up there as one of the most over guys of the Attitude Era, and he was just immensely popular. The crowd loved him. They loved the dancing. They would want that stink face and get a huge pop for it, and it's just one of the reasons that he became a no-doubt 100% WWE. Hall of Famer. 
the Samoan dynasty is alive and well, and whether it's Roman Reigns or Jimmy and Jey Uso in the WWE, that dynasty is going to continue for many years to come. And obviously, the architects of that dynasty are looking down upon all the family members and seeing how well they have done and how that legacy and the lineage of the family, the Anawai family, is one of the greatest stories in the history of professional wrestling. And we really want to thank Rikishi for taking the time to speak with the two-man power trip and go down memory lane and really relive some of these awesome moments that I know a lot of fans, and I can speak for a couple at least, uh, hold them very, very dear to their heart. And we also want to remind you that tonight, Friday, August 19th, in Woodbridge, Virginia, at the Potomac Nationals Fitzner Stadium, Rikishi will be throwing out the first pitch as well as doing a full meet-and-greet with fans. He'll be signing autographs and taking pictures, and if you're in the D.C. Metro listening area get on down to woodbridge virginia get on down to the fitzner stadium and check out the potomac nationals taking on the frederick keys live and in living color on friday august 19th that's tonight if you're listening in real time you can get tickets at potomacnationals.com or you can head on down to the box office and get them right in front of your face at the box office and with all that being said john This was a great episode with the big man, and obviously I'm going to send it over to you, so hit him with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business and get it on over to a bad man. Get it on over to Big Rakishi. And now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube, where you can hear the latest and greatest clips. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. While you're there, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the late, great American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, WWE's lead attorney, Jerry McDivitt, Jesse the Body Ventura, the Phenomenal, AJ Styles, Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, Stan the Lariat Hanson, the Magnificent Don Morocco, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, and many, many, many more. Also, check out our website, tmptofwrestling.com. That is tmptofwrestling.com. While you're surfing the net, also check out Wrestling Inc. Yes, that's wrestlinginc.com. You'll see us on there many times a week. And it is the best wrestling site as far as wrestling news and information is concerned. Also, please check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, ProWrestlingTees.com. You could check out our page on there as well as Paul, Mr. Wonderful Orndorff, Buff Bagwell, Tito Santana, and our main man, Kevin Thorne. So please go over to ProWrestlingTees.com and check that out. Also, for our Android listeners, please... Check out Player FM. And now, without any further ado, a former WWE Intercontinental Champion, a former three-time WWE Tag Team Champion, a 2015 WWE Hall of Famer, you may know him as a head shrinker, a new wild Samoan, or a member of the Samoan SWAT team, but we know him as Rikishi. Please enjoy. on the line tonight is a WWE Hall of Famer, a former Intercontinental and Tag Team Champion, and one part of his body is almost as identifiable as the man himself. He is the one and only man who's going to back that ass up. The one and only Rikishi joins the two-man power trip of wrestling today. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thank you, guys. I'm honored and I'm, I'm uh, very happy to be, uh, be on. Thank you. Oh, it's our pleasure, and of course, we're talking about this coming Friday night in Woodbridge, Virginia, at the Fitzner Stadium, as the Potomac Nationals battle the Frederick Keys, the one and only WWE Hall of Famer Rikishi will be signing autographs and taking pictures at the Fitzner Stadium. 
Tickets are on sale at PotomacNationals.com, and of course you can also walk up to the building and purchase tickets as well. But that's the best place I think we can start, Rikishi, and that is how do you like going out there to these baseball stadiums, meeting fans in kind of in a different environment, seeing how many wrestling fans do love to come out, enjoy a ball game, and meet one of their favorite performers of all time? Well, dude, I'm very, uh, again, I'm excited for this opportunity. It's actually, uh, besides going to watch Jimmy and Jay play back in the day, this is actually my first time really going out there and actually uh, for the stadium. So, uh, you know, to be up and close with the fans and, and that type of atmosphere, it's always good, you know. You get to listen to the story, to be able to shake hands and say hello to people and take pictures. So I'm looking forward to it. And it's definitely uh, it's, you fit in so well with the past guests that they've had at the Fitzner Stadium because they've also welcomed other Hall of Famers like the Million Dollar Man mm-hmm. Ted DiBiase and Sergeant Slaughter. So obviously having another piece of jewelry on that finger and Hall of Famer and Rikishi is uh, is quite the coup for the Potomac Nationals. But that's a great place to start as well. And that is this past year where you joined the WWE Hall of Fame. How was that being on that stage? reflecting upon a great career and being able to slip that ring on and be a part of a pretty immortal group of guys? Well, it's just, uh, it's, I mean, to this day, you know, you you see it and, and you look at it and so forth. And I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm very humble and honored and so forth uh, to be able to start off my wrestling career in San Francisco, California, uh, years later to be able to induct in the same a uh, city where uh, where I was born and raised at. So, I mean, uh, you know, it's just uh, that type of feeling. It's it's unexplainable. You know, I, so many people you want to thank for uh, being recognized that you know I might have forgot somebody during that time. But you know, this really comes to the fans. You know, uh, the fans' voices are so strong uh, nowadays, and I'm so happy that they were able to remember me. Uh, uh, the work that I've done, uh, every time I've come out on TV, I try to, you know, give 110% and to do what I do. You know, I, I know my role as far as the big man with the with the big booty that wears the thong and to go out there and to be able to entertain and so forth. So, you know, it's, it's a very blessing and I'm thankful. Yeah, and obviously, uh, you know, talking about your lineage, talking about the Samoan dynasty, so many of your family members are yeah. in the WWE Hall of Fame and continuing such a great, like I said, lineage in the Samoan dynasty with yourself and all the way through your sons, Jimmy and Jay. Currently, uh, the longest reigning tag team uh, in terms of length in the WWE uh-huh. as we speak. But joining those family members in the WWE Hall of Fame, obviously, to me, the first one that pops into my head in association with you is Yokozuna, who is a Hall of Famer that does not get the, uh, the just due that I think he deserves and I think uh, I think you setting such an example for that era is uh, is definitely is something to itself. But what does that mean to join other family members of yours in the Hall of Fame and continue that legacy? Oh, it's it's, it's a wonderful feeling. You know, it just shows the work ethic, the passion that our families, the Samoan Dynasty, has for this industry of professional wrestling. I mean, we're groomed, and and uh, you know, this is part of our culture. It's like you know, we get out there, you work hard. You, uh, that you're able to, you know, to accomplish anything you put your mind to. And when you have guys above you like Alpha and Siga and, you know, the high chief Peter Maivia and so forth, Yoko Zuna, I mean, those guys, they push you to the limit. You know, you, you either, you know, I was petrified coming into the business because I know the shoes that I had to fill up, you know, the Alpha and Siga shoes and, and, and Yoko and uh, high chief Peter Maivia, those are some big shoes to fill up. So, you know, being around them and uh, to be able to, uh, learn all I can and just sponge up every knowledge that I can. You know, it's just very, you know, I'm very honored to be uh, and proud to be a part of this family, the Samoan dynasty. Big shoes is a great line, especially for a group of guys that usually didn't wear shoes to the ring. Yeah. So I definitely, uh, <laughs> I definitely yeah. love that. But, you know, like I mentioned about your sons, Jimmy and Jay, obviously uh, they, they've been kind of pumping it up now on uh, WWE programming that they are the longest tenured tag team in the WWE, and that's, of course, filling another part of that Samoan dynasty because there's been so many great tag teams like Afa and Sika mm-hmm. and, of course, yourself and Samu as, as the head shrinkers. But what's it been like to see Jimmy and Jay progress? And now they've been in the WWE for, you know, it's going on about seven, eight years, and 
have amassed quite a following, and obviously there's still so much more to come. They're such great athletes and really contribute a lot to that roster. But watching their progress, is it something that you kind of, you know, scratch your head and say, wow, I can't believe that they were able to follow in the footsteps yet again like all our other family members? Well, I, I scratched my head the first day they came to me and talked to me about wanting to join into the family business and into the industry. You know, uh, you know, I, it, it, I'm very, uh, I can say this, I'm very proud of, of my sons, uh, uh, you know, what they've accomplished in WWE and so forth. And, you know, I say this, that they're not done. You know, they've been there for, uh, well, uh, six or seven years, as I believe it is. And, you know, there's so much more. They're still young uh, for them to be able to experience uh, in an entertainment business, be it wrestling or be it shooting films in Hollywood. They just have that gift of, to be able to adapt at any uh, given time. So, you know, my main concern is for my kids to be able to stay healthy and uh, make sure their body holds up because I say this all the time, you know, when they come when they come home, you that three-quarter plywood and then them steel pole, they win every night, no matter how good you are, you know. So, you know, those are my concerns that I want them to be healthy and to be able to walk away uh, 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 from the ring after the match the same way they went towards the ring. So, I look forward to uh, other other uh, uh, projects uh, in the future for Jimmy J and everybody else here too. And thinking about the great Samoan wrestlers then, and then even looking now, what do you think about a guy like Roman Reigns, who's kind of been the face of WWE, you know, on and off for the last year or so? Do you think he's in the right spot in within WWE? Um. Yeah. Um, I, I've said this before, and, uh, you know, again, it's from my experience of, you know, uh, uh, being there, uh, like, you know, the, the fans' voices are so strong. You know, their voices are so strong, and they have a big impact and so forth in professional wrestling. And, you know, I, I, I think I, may, I mentioned this before that, you know, instead of them trying to fight to, to kind of uh, push Roman down people's throats, I mean, look at Roman. Romans, I mean, he, he has everything what it takes. He's a, he's a good-looking uh, uh, guy. He has, you know, a beautiful body and so forth. So he looks good, you know. And then, you know, to, to be able to, to – uh, I would have liked to see him let him earn the fans' respect because he is talented. There's so much more to where rather than just his in-ring skills. He's a good father. He's a good brother. He's a good family guy. I mean – things like that to where you can show the fans that this guy's a real dude. You know, it's not that versus trying to shove people down the fans' throat. We all seen this many and many a times. When you try to shove somebody's uh, uh, down the fans' throat and they, they haven't gotten that relationship, they might like him, but we still need more. We still haven't gotten that relationship to where I'm able to care about you and like about you and so forth. So, yeah, hell, I wouldn't even have thought it. If you booed me, and I'm out there, and I keep coming day in and day out. Every Monday night, row, you still bull? I would have wanted to say, listen, how about you just go ahead and switch me heel? Let me go make give these people what they want. Let them hate me until the time they're going to hate me so much. When I do turn baby face, there it is. It's an easy fix. Very, very well said, and definitely totally agree on that. But as far as you're concerned, if I can turn it directly to you, one of the greatest tag teams in my mind was the Head Shrinkers, a.k.a. the Samoan SWAT team. I was very curious. How did you and Samu actually together as a tag team? Because it's one of my all-time favorite teams, one of the most underrated teams, just an amazing tag team you guys made together. Well, you know, me and Sammy, uh, Samu, we've, we've always, I mean, we were raised up together in the same household out in San Francisco. And, you know, I was uh, doing my thing in, in, in high school playing basketball and football. And Sammy had went off and started his wrestling career with his father. And it's just one of those things, you know, he gave me a call and, you know, wanted me to come down and check out, you know, the, uh, out there in Dallas, Texas with the Von Erics and so forth. And, uh, you know, we kind of, you know, took off from there. You know, we went down there and I was green as hell, you know, didn't know nothing about yada, yada, yada. Only the advice that, that my uncles gave me and, and with Sam and, you know, for the better part of my beginning of my career, uh, he was always uh, the guy there on the road with me to kind of mold me and, you know, uh, give me pointers that's on the road because my uncles weren't on the road as much as uh, as he was with me. And so it was that fit, you know. We, we knew each other as we kept going every year. 
I mean, we we started off in uh, different territories, and we just continued to grow until we got that one shot uh, for WWE. It was a dark match, and we got that one shot, and, and, and that was it. By the time we came back, they were ready to sign us in. So it was a pleasure. Did you like that they gave you, like, that savage gimmick, that almost wild Simone gimmick? Because obviously Afa and Sika played it so, so well throughout the many years. And, you know, being the wild Samoans, did you like playing, like, that savage-type gimmick? Well, uh, kind of yeah, yes and no. Uh, yes, because it was going to give me a job. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh, and, and no, because I felt we felt like my uncles already did that. And we were like the new the new generation Wild Samoans coming through that can speak English. I mean, you know, we we you know we are who we are. We do speak English. We we don't you know run around and chase chickens and bite their heads off. It was just a different era at that time. And but you know, just the cards fell the way it was, and we we took what was dealt and we made the best out of it. And to be able to come, you know, a couple of years later become the WWF champion was just one of, you know, probably the biggest, high, uh, one of our biggest highlights in my career to be able to win that with with my cousin Samu and my uncle Alpha in the corner and, and the late, you know, respectful uh, uh, Captain Lou Albano. So it, it was just, just a great run. It was just, a, it, it fit. It, it was meant to happen. Definitely you guys deserve the tag titles and great, great moment beating the Quebecers. Do you think that, you know, with Samu and you, it was kind of, you know, it's like you guys were so athletic, and it was a, just a different kind of, uh, you know, Wild Samoans-esque team. You know, can you just talk about the athleticism you guys had? It's so agile coming off the top rope. You guys did stuff that you didn't think you would be able to do, almost you shouldn't have been able to do. Well, that, that's just, uh, I mean, I guess we're, we're blessed to have that athletic ability. I mean, that's like our daily lives, you know, what we do back home from the culture. You know, you travel in and you're going up, you're doing hikes up the mountain to be able to, you know, do plantation and stuff like that, get, get you know, uh, get things ready for the Sunday feast and so forth. And you're always on the move. And, you know, we played a lot of basketball, you know, we played basketball a lot, uh, uh, did a lot of football, we took some karate here and there and so forth. But we kind of like self-taught each other, you know what I mean? Just kids being mm-hmm. playing when you see your uncles off in Sika. You know, doing their spots and trying new moves. It's like we were the one that, hey, get in here, come over here, okay, you can try this and take it this way, yada yada yada. And so we we were kind of just, you know, one of those things that kind of just, you know, it, it was a natural to us. I don't, I can't, I can't even name any family member in the Samoan dynasty that uh, stepped in the ring that wasn't uh, agile and you know just a, a natural thing for them uh, for us to do in there. So. I guess we're just blessed with good hygiene and, you know, uh, doing what we do. And one thing that really sticks out about you guys and your run in the WWF, I know we talked about winning the tag titles was a huge, huge deal and well-deserved, but I remember WrestleMania 9 very, very well. Steiner Brothers against the Head Trainers, great match. What was it like at WrestleMania? What was it like against those two tough, stiff guys, the Steiner Brothers? Well, I tell you this, and you're talking about Las Vegas, Nevada. Our feet were damn burning in that hot ass weather. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, man, it's one of those. I mean, we've known Scotty and uh, and Rick uh, way back from the uh, WCW days, NWA days, and you know, we we clicked off. We were just, you know, uh, became real good friends. You know, bunch of you know, like, kind of sort of like you know, we were uh, same pages going out there. We kind of like it snug and stiff when we call stiff out there. You know, we just the way how we train and be able to get in the ring. I gotta feel you hit me. I gotta feel that versus trying to you know pull your punches and trying to you know go through the dance so to speak. But the Steiner brothers, man, they come from amateur background. They're, they're tough. When they hit you, man, they bring it. And that was kind of right up our alley. And what we had, what we found out that uh, we were working an angle to get booked in the uh, WrestleMania together. Our, our all four of our attitudes, well, five. Uncle Alpha out there, we we plan to go out there and steal the show and give it our our all, and you know it's one of those epic matches that are always go down you know as far as in, in history for me, you know being being able to work with such great professionals as Samu or you know Alpha and, and Scotty and uh, 
Rick, and it was just a, a, a great opportunity, and I, I think we did well and we seized it. Now, obviously, you know, you guys had it some time together as the Mullen Squad team against the Steiner Brothers in, in WCW, like you mentioned, and I remember Starcade 89. That, that was great. Do you remember that, uh, you know, very fondly? Uh, you had that. You guys were kind of, I guess, hit or somebody got hurt and the skyscrapers were gone. You guys were put in, and it was uh, the Road Warriors and yourself, and, and uh, I believe it was Doom, and kind of a little bit of a tournament that night. Do you uh, look back fondly on your time in WCW? Um, no. Can you refresh my memory again? You're talking about where this happened? Uh, Starcade 89, WCW. Was that when we were teamed up with... Uh... Who was it? The Freebirds, man. Man, I can't even think back that far, man. That was actually uh, that was actually a little bit before that. That was a, a War Games match you guys had with the Freebirds. Hmm. Okay. No, I, man, I can't remember. I'm, I'm, my apologies, man. I, I can't remember that. Oh, okay. No problem. That was uh, some great uh, times you guys had in WCW. That's why I felt you guys were definitely underrated. You know, you had uh, Paul Heyman was the manager for a little while, and they gave you uh, Oliver Humperdinck. So the night was fun. <laughs> what you, what you say at the radio, who rates all this stuff? <laughs> you know what I mean? Who, who, who yeah. does that? Who, who rates all like, okay, this tag team's a good tag team, this tag team's sort of yada, 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 you know? But, hey, you know, the bottom line is we went out there, we did what we did. You know, you, you, we worked with great people. We were happy for the opportunity and, and humbled, and, you know, we were hungry to go out there to give it all and, uh, I think, and I know for sure, that's exactly what the Samoan SWAT team, the head shrinkers did, the Samoan dynasty continued to do, uh, past, present, and future. So, you know, for those that are rating these, uh, you know, everybody, we all know it's entertainment. So how do you rate entertainment? You know, how do you rate something like, you know, we, we, we already know, so, you know. So it's it's all good, though. You know, I want to say it's, this, that, you know, to everybody that's out uh, there. It's professional right. wrestling fans become the greatest armchair quarterbacks, uh, to say the <laughs> least. You know, the ratings, uh, star systems, all that great stuff. Everybody thinks uh, that they're experts. But, you know, talking about you yourself and moving forward a little bit, obviously you become Rikishi on your return to the WWF. And at that time, I mean, it was kind of a shock that you were back. I had been following your time in Memphis as J.R. Smooth, which was awesome and probably one of my favorite Things that I can look back on your career. I love J.R. Smooth, and I'm going to get to J.R. Smooth in one second. But when you came back as Rikishi and you had the uh, you had the blonde hair, and you got teamed up with Too Cool, did you expect it to take off the way it did? Because it was like you debuted in the fall, and by the start of 2000, you were you guys were like on another stratosphere in terms of the popularity. Yeah, well, no, no, I didn't expect it. You know, again. It's the power of the people. I mean, we were only, when I came out with that character, I think we were on the show Sunday Night Heat for only two weeks. And, you know, it's one of those things when, you know, they see seen me come out, they kind of know who it is, but they see the whole new look. And uh, when, when, when the skirt came off and they see nothing but bare ass and a thong with the new look, you know, and then being teamed up with Too Cool, you know, it's one of those things where it just took off. I mean, you know, then we had to dance in there to make it, you know, make the, the, the deal different from everybody else's. So our act was you had a big Samoan that was tough, but also a happy-go-lucky guy who can move and can dance. And then you had these two cats on the side that think they're thugs uh, that are hip-hop, but couldn't dance for a lick, you know? And so <laughs> the, mix, the mix set real good. It was clean entertainment. I mean, our crew, too cool of Rikishi to me was, during the Attitude Era, was just different and clean type of entertainment, you know, versus uh, what what else was going on in the Attitude Era. So we had to, you know, we talked about it. We had to go that route versus going to the, you know, the other uh, route with, you know, Stone Cold and the DXs and so forth were doing. We had to figure out a way to stand out in our own. And it worked, you know. And I want to thank all the fans for it. Without you guys, there is no us. So thank you very much for supporting that. It's uh, it, it's one of the things that once those glasses went on and the lights went off, it didn't matter who you were in the ring with, that part of the show was going to be remembered because I remember specifically with uh, Chris Jericho and, and China, there was one where you guys, the lights went off. I don't know if it was Madison Square Garden, but the place goes nuts, and that to me is exactly what you just said. It was something different than what was going right. on. But putting on the glasses and transforming into the dancing 
Rikishi. Did you just did you love that adulation every time the glasses went on, the lights went off, and then you guys just did your thing? Was that something you look forward to every night? Oh yeah, I mean and that, that was when putting on the yellow shades. It turned a big four hundred twenty-five pound guy into magic. Like it turned me into a witch. We're about ready to turn this whole arena into a nightclub, and we all going to bust a move and just have like we're in a nightclub and everybody's having a good time dancing, yada yada yada. So yes, I mean the glasses was a big part of uh, of the dance and so forth. And I, I was happy that you know we were able to you know to add that on to our uh, to our deal during the end of uh, end of the matches. So. The glasses, the yellow shades are magic. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, you can't talk about either one, the thong, the yellow shades, without bringing up the stink face. And if you can, oh. it's not something that I've ever heard, but is there an origin story for the stink face and what the magic of the stink face came from such a uh, such a, an awesome little, uh, little head nod and then uh, back that ass up? Where did the stink face origins come from? Well, it actually started uh, out in uh, Mobile, Alabama, uh, Rest his soul. Uh, I was wrestling Ray Trailer, uh, who was the boss man back in the day in uh, Mobile, Alabama. And it was a regular house show on a Sunday. Uh, and, you know, we did a spot to where he was in the corner. I actually ran into him and I gave him a, a, a lariat clothesline in the corner. And as I'm coming back towards the middle of the ring, like how you see me doing sink face today, as I'm coming back towards the middle ring, I heard this bump there, which was the part to where. Bossman sat in the scene. He just took a regular fall. We never even talked about it. He took a regular fall, and I heard a voice, an old lady's voice that I was trying to find. I can hear her say, Rikishi, turn around and stick your butt in his face. Turn around. And that's that part to where you see me, like I'm in the middle of the ring, and then I slowly turn like I'm looking. I'm actually looking for that person there that was saying that to me. And I noticed when I turned my head to the left, like I was turning towards the look to Boston, I can hear the loudest pop just about ready to erupt like a volcano. And then I turned around, I see him laying there, and then the first step I took to him, the voices, they got louder, the cheer got louder. The closer I got to him, it's just waiting to erupt. And then when I turned around to stick that, you know, just the butt in front of his face, it was so loud that it was just nonstop, like they cheering me to stick this butt in this guy's face. And as soon as I hit it, it was a lot of spot in my career. And guess what? The next day was Monday Night Raw. The stink face was introduced to the world. <laughs> That's Thank awesome. You. Thank yeah, you to the old lady. Thank you to the old lady out there in Mobile, Alabama. I don't know your name, but thank you so much. You know who I'm talking about. That's great. Who would have thought an old lady was the prelude to the stink face? And obviously one of the most uh, iconic things to come out of that Attitude Era was the stink face. And I remember a match specifically where you just knew how popular Rikishi was that uh, Rikishi versus Triple H, I believe it was a Monday Night Raw, during Triple H's hottest streak as the dominant champion heel. And you get the opportunity to main event uh, a show with Triple H at that point. Was that where you realized that Rikishi was just off into the stratosphere at that point? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this character, this guy here, Rikishi, took off so quick. I mean, I knew it during, you know, when you're doing the house shows and the reaction. Uh, it was just a matter of time that this character is into the main top roster, into the main event. And then when that aired, where me and Triple H uh, actually danced together in there, I mean, uh, the character was a household name from, from there on, you know. And so it was, you know, you, you can see it. You can see it, you can feel it, like every reaction, the, the character from the thong to the dancing to the to the sleep face. I mean, it was one of those characters that just, it worked. And during that time, you know, I, I took it, I ran with it, and, you know, I had a blast with it. And I'm just thankful that, you know, we're able to, to have fun and, you know, get out there and perform for the fans. So thank you guys again. Uh, thank you to all the fans that continue to vote, you know, as far as in the career, as far as going into the Hall of Fame. Without you guys, there is none of us. There is no wrestlers. There is, there's none of us. So let's get that correct. Oh, without a doubt, yeah. And you, uh, like, I can't keep pounding it in hard enough. One of the most identifiable characters with that Attitude Era. And with Thank Triple you. H, the, kind of, the irony with Triple H is that when they decided to turn Rikishi heel, 
uh, Triple H was the driving force, you know, storyline-wise. And where I want to dial it back to J.R. Smooth, when you were turning heel, I thought we were going to see J.R. Smooth in that persona because I absolutely loved your run in Memphis as J.R. Smooth. And this is something John and I were actually talking about earlier today and watching, you watch some of the interviews, you watch the style. Did you want to have the J.R. Smooth Rikishi come out or was that something that was kind of a, a thing of the past and now we were going to move forward with a new facet of Rikishi's character? Yeah, you're, you're very good. You're actually, the Rikishi turn when he turned and came out with the gloves and the glasses and the dark shades of the jeans. I was actually thinking of J.R. Smooth. You know, I was just kind of find that again that what I've done in Memphis and uh, and and kind of uh, utilize it into this Rikishi tournament. And this is where you see the 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 different leather outfits of Rikishi wear with the glasses and so forth. So, you know, the dance move was a big uh, uh, having a lot to do with how the vision of this Rikishi character as the Batman would come out. You know, so yes, had a good time doing that. That was, uh, yeah, that was so great. I mean, obviously, during that run, we remember the huge fall off the top of Hell in a Cell. And then six words that can you can kind of sum up that heel run, and it was, I did it for The Rock, and you got to have a main event feud with another one of the Samoan Dynasty. You got to feud with The Rock. At that point, yeah. another he was on another stratosphere in terms of his, his mic, his in Everything The Rock was doing was turning to gold, and you guys were main eventing at that point, how was working with The Rock at that point in 2000? Uh, I can only imagine it was something, somewhat of a dream for both of you to work together in that capacity. Uh, well, again, it was fun. You know what I mean? When you, I mean, when you have family members uh, working against each other, and you know, you, you know what what each other can bring to the table, it's just a no-brainer. You know, we 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 do what we do. We go in there, we push each other to the next limit uh, to give the best that we can out there. And, Whenever you're given that, uh, uh, you're able to have that opportunity. You working against your family members is not only fun, but it's real competitive to where you're trying to push each other to to the next level. And uh, you know, it was a it was a fun time to be able to work with Rock uh, and and everybody else in that era, as far as Undertaker and Stone Cold and the Triple H's and so forth. I just you know, I was very. It's one of those things that I always go down in my career as highlights is working with big superstars uh, such as those gentlemen there. I can't forget about the big-time feud with Stone Cold Steve Austin. We talked about The Rock, and we talked about Austin. We talked about the Attitude Era, but you were right there feuding with Folsom. And one of the loudest pops was when Austin returned, you know, after you, quote-unquote, hit him with the car, and he made his return that night. It was deafening. What was your feud like with Stone Cold? Did you really enjoy working with basically if, if The Rock is 1A, you know, then Austin would be 1B or vice versa? No, it's fun. I mean, these guys here are definitely, uh, you know, they're professionals. I mean, when you work with two gentlemen like The Rock and uh, Stone Cold, I mean, these guys are, I mean, well, well known and over in the business. And when you work with guys like that, it's kind of like a night off. But at the same time, you know, you, you want to bring the best out of each other. And, and me, coming up towards the rank at that time, they brought the best out of me. I knew I had to work hard to come and keep up with them and, to be able to do my part is, you know, trying to carry this 425-pound guy, but for me to do my part and, and, and keep up, you know, I mean, you're trying to the energy, the the spots, the, I mean, everything from interview to, to, to just the whole nine with the whole angle. And I, I think that, you know, I know that the angle would not work had everybody not do their part. So I was very, you know, I'm honored and I'm very thankful and uh, given the, uh, the opportunity to work with, you know, such professionals, as, uh, you know, the Rock Stone Colds and, you know, the Undertakers and, and uh, so forth. So, yeah. yeah, it was fun for Rikishi. I had a real good time up there. As we start to wind it down here, very curious with your career because you had that point where you were, you know, one of the biggest heels on the roster. You feud with the Rock, you know, with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Then a little bit earlier in the Attitude Era, you had the Rikishi, too cool character, dance, the, the gimmick, the sunglasses, mm-hmm. you know, the stink face. Do you rather play the heel or do you rather play the baby face? Um, you know, I, I I I like playing the bad guy. I like playing the heel. You know, it's just it's so easy for me to to uh, to get in there, and I like you know being the guy to where he's telling people you know just 
that vicious type of, you know, because of our style, our style of work, uh, you know, when we're out there, like the wild Sabans and the head trippers, I love going out there being vicious and, you know, uh, being that type of, uh, 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 bringing that type of intensity to, to the ring and so forth. Um, being a baby face, it's, it's kind of, I mean, it's, Kind of to me, it's, it's a lot more harder to me than being a, a heel, or being that you have to, you know what I mean. You really have to have high energy all the time. You really have to go out there and you know, kind of, you know, work to try to get sympathy. And me being, you know, four hundred something pounds, you know, it's very. You have to find certain moves that are believable uh, for people to have sympathy on it, and that's why you know, I'm probably the, the only guy I kept practicing and kept uh, hitting the gym to where to learn how to do that 360. I think I'm the only guy that's in the uh, professional wrestling at 425 at the time that was doing that 360. And I, I end up, you know, putting that in there to be able to find that, that sympathy spot for me, that work for me that's uh, believable. So um, to, to answer that, all that, I love being a heel, but, you know, I'm, I'm versatile. If I need to be a baby face, you know, I was trained, Trained well by my uncles up in Sita to be able to adapt at any given situation. So. And you can't get much better than those two as far as trainers. But you've had so yeah. many good tag team partners in your career. And you, I mean, you think about the Samu, obviously, the SWAT team is awesome. But you now, your brother, the, the Tonga kid, Tama Tonga, is that actually your twin brother? Because I, I read that it is your twin brother, but I've heard that it's not. Is that actually your twin? No, he's, he's not my twin. He's not okay. my twin brother. It's actually, you know, I'm the oldest. And then it goes to uh, uh, Sam Fatu, which is the Tonga kid, Tama. And then uh, it goes from uh, there to my, my sister, uh, Sil Fatu. Then it goes to my other sister, Sina uh, Fatu. Then it goes to Umanga, who's the baby. So those are the Fatus that's in this industry. Now you have Jimmy and Jay that's in the industry. But it's, you know, the same bloodline with the Anawai Strong, the Anawai Small Dynasty. Quite so no, one, no one not twins. Because <laughs> <laughs> so I always read that you guys are twins, and I was like, wow, a twin having twins, you know, that's kind of a surprise. But obviously, you know, I just tell everyone very, very good. Yeah, yeah well, weird. all the all the Anawai, I mean, we're all... If you look at all the pictures, we're all semi, you know, the features and everything. You know, we very, we have very strong features from my grandmother, my late grandmother. And, uh, you know, it's, their features are in every every one of us. So. <clears throat> strong you, Yes, for sure, definitely. And great athleticism. So you've teamed with, obviously, Samu, the head shrinkers. You teamed with. Uh, Tonga Kid when you were small and savage. You guys the SWAT team for a small bit. You actually teamed with Haku. You teamed with Barbarian. Teamed uh, a few mm-hmm. times with The Rock. I mean, Scotty Tuhati even. And to throw out uh, Rico because of that. But do you have a favorite tag partner that you team with? Because you've had so much, so many good underrated tag teams in your career. Man, I mean, they're all like, I was happy to be with every, you know, tagging with everybody. And so forth. But if I speak on chemistry, uh, that you know we just fit as a tag team, I'd have to say my cousin Samu. And get to a point to where we have that training to where, I mean that chemistry where I just look at him and he knows what, what I'm going to do. You know, and our chemistry in the ring was it just flows. It was such an easy, you know. Whereas if I'm working with uh, the others, that kind of like. You know, you got to make sure double, like, he, he, he hears me or he gets it or uh, uh, that type of life. But, you know, uh, the easiest part of that, uh, that I would say would probably uh, be uh, teaming up with my, my cousin, Seth Moon. Uh, just because I know him that we've been, you know what I mean, raised up together, we've been trained together, and it was just an easy transition inside the ring. And not to take away from everybody else that I team with, you know, they were all – you know, we all, you know, had a great time and, and worked together and so forth. We did the best we can as far as uh, during that time of being teamed up uh, for whatever, you know, during that, you know, time. But you know, it was a good, it was a good transaction for me to, uh, uh, and easy for me to be with, with my cousin Sam Moon. Thinking the run you guys had, and obviously I mentioned before the Steiner Brothers at WrestleMania, one of my favorite matches. But you as an individual, 
I remember the match in 93. You had a world title match against Bret Hart, which was very, very good. But do you have a favorite match, maybe a couple of favorite matches that you've had in your career that really stick out to you? Man, that's a very... Hey, you know, the, probably the favorite match that I... I uh, I want to say what that stuck out for me was a hell in a cell. Um, and not being my favorite, but stuck out. You know, it was a hell in a cell, uh, you know, being a part of that uh, five, five-man five crew in there and there's so much going on and, you know, taking that bump from the top of the cage. Like, you know, he, you know, it was just so, you know, I was, I was excited, but yet I was nervous about, you know, just everything going on. Like, I was just... Uh, me getting up to the top of the cage and being, you know, coming back down and so forth. And, you know, I almost, you know, it's one of those uh, things when, uh, when Taker grabbed me, you know, as it went to jokes, I mean, I, my adrenaline was so high and so, you know, just, you know, shaking in, in place at the edge of that cage where I'm looking at, I got to hit that, that mark right there. Otherwise, you know, you might be saying goodbye to the Kishi. And uh, when he went to grab told him to uh, say goodbye, I mean, uh, uh, told him to somehow say goodbye to, to my wife and my kids. And that was it. And when I, when I hit that, that man, when he threw me off, choked slammed me off, and I hit that mark there, I mean, I, you've seen the video, it was like my mouth was could not stop shaking. Like I was still, like, so hyper and so, you know, but also, I was breathing to where, like, man, thank God I hit this mark because they had steel rails up on the side of that dump truck and so forth. And had I not hit it the right, you know, the right mark, I think you would probably, uh, you wouldn't be talking to me today. So <laughs> Crazy, scary spot. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, Definitely one for the memory bank, though, because you always remember it or you always see it in the videos and stuff. So it's definitely something that will, you know, live forever. Yeah. Yeah, you know, those are the things that you learn. Like, and, you know, again, coming to training from my uncles, uh, you know, that you learn to seek and you have opportunities. Like, you learn to seek and steal it, you know. And those are the type of I'm, – I'm happy that I was able to take that type of bump for, you know, not only for the fans and everything, but – to be able to add that on to that big hype, uh, hyped up Hell in a Cell match, you know, and and now every time they show the Hell in a Cell match, when they start to promote it, you, you're always seeing that footage there, and I was happy I did it, you know. So it's one of those things you learn and you continue forward. Absolutely. Do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite opponent or maybe a couple favorite opponents, somebody you meshed really well with, somebody you had great, great chemistry with that just, you know, off the top of your head, you're just like, oh, man, I love getting in the ring with that guy? Uh, it was actually Test, uh, the late Test, versus and so, man. Yeah, we, we, we worked a lot together on the house show. It was one of those guys that, you know, just the chemistry was there. You didn't have to call too much stuff. You just get out there and, you know, we what we call dance. You know, we dance very well together. Um, I wish I would have worked a lot more with uh, with Tess on TV and so forth. Uh, I think he was a talent that you know that that could have went you know in the higher to where they they wanted him to be and so forth. But he was definitely could have been like a main 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 event uh, player. I mean, I seen I always seen him as a heavyweight champion for for a while. You know, he just during that time he looked good. He you know tall. You know, in shape, you know, good-looking guy. So, you know, but I, I, I love every time we get to dance with somebody that, that that comes, you know, naturally it's good chemistry. You want to try to continue to dance with that person, or otherwise, you know, they they'll feed you somebody else. Now you got to readapt to to see where this guy is at, what's his in-ring skills, and, and yada yada yada. So, that is the man. Rest, 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 and soul. Rest is peace. And I'll tell you what, you're actually not the first person to mention Tess as their favorite opponent on the show, and that's uh, that's really great to hear and a testament, no no pun intended, to Andrew Martin or Tess and uh, what he was able to accomplish while he was uh, with us, which is a shame, obviously, uh, like you had mentioned. But we want to end it on a high note, obviously, and this coming Friday night, Rikishi's going to be 
signing autographs, meeting fans at the Potomac Nationals, Fitzner Stadium in Woodbridge, Virginia, as the Potomac Nationals take on the Frederick Keys, and that's Friday, August 19th. The gates open at 6 p.m. The game starts at 7.05. You can buy tickets at the ticket window or visit PotomacNationals.com for more information. And Rikishi, the way we like to end it, is when you close the book on professional wrestling and you look back on your career, you look back on everything that you yourself have accomplished and the Samoan dynasty has accomplished, what would you say your legacy is on professional wrestling? Done it all, man. We legacy is that we, we, we came out there, we, we to me we conquered professional wrestling and know that my whole entire family, everybody that came through Gave it 110% out there. And, you know, it was just a blast. We had a good time for, you know, performing in the wrestling league. And I want to, again, I stress this so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you to all the fans that supported the Samoan dynasty that, that continued the past, present, and future. Because, again, and without the fans, there is none of us in this business. And we just want to, um, on behalf of me and my, my entire family, Samoan dynasty, Thank you for uh, giving us the opportunity to be able to go out there and do what we love. And, uh, you know, we'll see you soon. Thank you. Absolutely. And, Rikishi, we thank you so much for coming on <laughs> with the Two Man Power Trip tonight. And we look forward to seeing you this coming Friday at the Potomac Nationals Fitzner Stadium. And, again, this is where uh, I'll cut the interview. But thank you so much for taking this time to, to come on tonight. I know it was short notice. And I uh, really appreciate you uh, Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.